This morning we're continuing on with our sermon series looking at uh, mental health. Uh, we've entitled it The Battlefield of the Mind. We did two weeks and took a break last week for Mother's Day. Uh, and so we're continuing on this morning. The first two weeks we focused our thoughts on our thoughts, thinking um, that what we'd said in the first week is this, is our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts and how powerful our thoughts were in our whole mind and the area of our, of our mental health and that statement there really says it really summed up that first part they're always moving the direction of our strongest thoughts what we've been told by people what we've believed for a lot of our lives and we really came to this conclusion because we're looking at this from a biblical perspective is that we want to remove the lies and replace it with the truth of God's word uh, and that really is what we wanted to do with people and what we're trying to do all the way through this series is really hold on to, to replace the lies that people believe that causes a problem with their thinking uh, and replace it with the truth of God's word. The second week we looked at the story of Elijah and his, um, as he fled into the desert and we really looked at the idea of how our, our actions are really determined by our feelings. Uh, the, the way we feel sometimes determines the things that we do the things uh, that we say and so we move on to the, this morning to really the third part of this which is really the, how we deal with our fears uh, how we deal with what we're afraid of uh, it would be true to say that the world has been gripped by fear it is gripped by fear uh, over these past years how we deal with fear is essential uh, when it comes to the battlefield uh, of the mind uh, fear is a driving force in the world, isn't it? It inspires the news headlines. It motivates advertising campaigns. Uh, it stirs up social media frenzies. Uh, if I said to you two stories uh, that are in the news at the moment, you'll understand what I mean. The first one is the vaccine and all of the fears that are surrounding that that people have said about taking the vaccine and for Christians, and I've been contacted by people who say, should Christians take the vaccine? Shouldn't Christians, are you going to teach people to take? Listen, taking the vaccine is a personal choice. I said, I, I have got, got the vaccine. Uh, that doesn't mean everybody should get it, but I would say this. Please don't use a YouTube video or someone that you know that you know that you know who knows somebody who tells you it's a bad idea to take it you know don't use that as a reason either and the third one is this because we always over spiritualize things and uh, people often do this and say oh, I'm not taking it because God is protecting me God is protecting you by taking the vaccine and the simple uh, illustration for that is uh, if you drove to church this morning when you get in the car the first thing you will do is you will put the seatbelt on because that is God's protection for you while you drive it says and often we take the common sense out of it and so so all the people that have commented and there's fear of the side effects and fear of uh, everything else that, that could go wrong and and so the second story just to illustrate is the the awful story of the murder of the lady Sarah Everard in in London and that has created lots of different fears a fear of men uh, a fear of being alone 
alone at night, uh, fear, so many different fears, and suddenly they, people gripped by fear because of what's happening and what's going on in the world. And so fear can come by reason or by natural temperament. You know, there were some people that they're just afraid of everything. You know, you know those people, you're thinking of somebody now that they're just literally afraid of everything. Some of us are afraid of particular things. So for example, if I said to you, spiders, some of you would be like, oh, I don't like spiders and all of that, and you know that, or other things. I, I don't like fly, flying. I have a fear uh, of flying. I actually did a course a couple of years ago called Overcoming Your Fear of Flying. And the problem is, COVID struck after I did the course, I had all these flights booked to go and fly somewhere, and then COVID struck. And so now I may have to go and do the course again. So everybody has a fear of something. But when you're fearful, it can immobilize you. It can make you feel isolated and powerless because sometimes our fears are grounded for a reason, but a lot of times they're not. And often with times when we come to be fearful of things, they can uh, be linked to our attitude and our outlook on life. He said when we come and, and we, we, we sort of position ourselves in particular places or, you know, some people don't like crowds because crowds cause uh, anxiety to rise up you know sometimes when you go uh, to a particular place I'm, I, I'm a bit of a weirdo so if I go somewhere I, I don't like to sit in the middle of anything you know I, I like to sit on the end so I can get out because I feel a bit claustrophobic which is a fear of enclosed spaces but there are lots of people that, that are like that and have a particular fear because it's linked to your attitude and uh, outlook and often fear confuses our mind, it causes irrational thoughts and misunderstanding and it derails us from our lives because linked to our thoughts our fears tell us things that aren't necessarily true and we become afraid of something oh what will happen if this happens or that happens and so we worry and we're fearful about things that might not even happen but that's the way human beings are often so we're taking a look this morning really at just one verse, one verse only. Uh, and, and it's this verse. Uh, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So though we're looking at what, what God has not given us, which is a spirit of fear, we do want to look at what God has given us, which is a sound mind. Uh, just to give you some context, background to this verse, this is the Apostle Paul's last letter. He writes it while he's in prison. He's literally waiting uh, for the judgment of his sentence, sorry, of his execution. He's looking back upon his life. He's calmly facing the, the last great crisis of his life, in a sense. And he, he affirms to Timothy who he is, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he's passing on some advice and some guidance, some encouragement to a young pastor called Timothy, uh, who, who means the world to him. And this is the second letter that Paul has written to Timothy. And there was a theme that runs through both the letters. In 25 occasions, Paul encourages Timothy uh, to be bold, to be confident, uh, because there is something that suggests that Timothy uh, is timid uh, and shy and lacks confidence and it leads to fear. And we're not actually sure what the fears are, but we do know that he is fearful. Uh, and so therefore, Paul is writing this letter and his second letter is really summed up around this verse, uh, really what God has not given us 
But what God has given us, he's not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a, a, a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. And as I said already, our fears take on many different faces. Everybody has a fear of something. Research suggests there are at least 530 different phobias. There is a phobia of coming to church. It's called ecclesiophobia. Isn't that strange? There's a phobia for everything. He says, and so therefore we want to look at fears that are caused by worry, anxiety, fears in a sense of battle for our mind. As people, we worry. Research again suggests that we worry about 70% of things that will never ever happen. It says we play over the motion picture of what could happen in our minds. Now, parents, we will understand this, won't we? If we allow our kids the freedom to do something, in our minds, what we don't replay, what we play over and over, is not anything that could go right, but everything that could go wrong. You're going to the shop for sweets. What happens if somebody takes my child? What happens if they get knocked down on the road? What happens if somebody picks on them on the way to the sweet shop? For goodness sake, the sweet shop is 20 yards from the house. But we play over in our mind, don't we? Because we're worried about things that aren't necessarily going to happen, but we think they could happen. And we spend our time focusing on that. And so people who are worried and anxious often get consumed with the what if instead of the what is. And you see, the biblical response to dealing with our fears often is dealing with the what is because the what is is based on the truth of God's word not the what if that anything could potentially go wrong he says because the reality is uh, when we think about the what if we're, we're we're actually in control of very little of our circumstances I mean we do not know what is going to happen the rest of the day we may have made plans but those circumstances could change. They could get thrown all up in the air because of something that happens that we didn't plan for, we didn't know. Uh, and so therefore what happens here is, is we get consumed with the what ifs instead of the what is. And so what happens then is it allows the fear to become bigger than God. That's really what fear does. The enemy wants to attack us with his lies. One of the ways he does that is he allows what we're fearful of and afraid of to become bigger than our God. When I did the kids' church, he says, we used to play a VeggieTales song. It was called, God is Bigger Than the Boogeyman. There's a lot of truth in it. And it, it, and, and it always made me think that actually that's the problem often with all of us. We face our fears, we look at our worries, we look at our anxieties and we think those are bigger than God and God can't deal with them. And actually what we've got to try and do when we face our fears is replace that lie with the truth of God's word. You see, all the way through the, the Paul's writings, he understood that if you allowed a thought into your life, it would direct your life. If you read his writings, and we'll look at some of the stuff he wrote in Romans to the Romans, that, that thought is there, that if you allow a thought into your life, it says actually it will become the direction of your life. And so really what we're trying to say is if we want to change our life, we've got to change our thoughts. If you want to think correctly, you've got to open the word of God. 
Romans 8 verse 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. It's not that God wants to change how we feel from something bad to something good. It's not behavior modification. Uh, we get saved and we just behave a bit better than we did when we weren't saved. It's, it's actually, it's a replacement thing. And what God wants to do is replace this spirit of fear and the bondage that comes with that, that keeps us tied up and says, you've received the spirit of adoption by whom now we can cry out, Abba, Father. It's that replacement there. That actually you can see in the verse that he writes to Timothy, he says we're replacing this spirit of fear which God hasn't given us with the spirit of love and power and sound mind which God has given us. It's, it's a little bit like as I read yesterday in John 8 verse 32. And Jesus is there and he's speaking to the people. And, and we, know that, we know the verse because we've said it a lot of times, but we've often heard it this way. We've often heard people say, you should know the truth and you, the truth should set you free. And we would know that and we repeat that, but we never read the first bit. The first bit is when Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You see, often what we say, he says, you should know the truth and the truth should make you free. But Jesus does say that, but he says the basis and the foundation for that is this. He says, if you abide, if you abide in my word, he says, you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Often what people are doing is they're looking for the truth and thinking the truth shall get set them free, but they're not looking in the right place for the truth. The right place for truth to confront the fears of your mind is to look in the word of God and see what God says. You see, to overcome fear and calm ourselves, often the danger that people have sometimes is we substitute incorrect thought patterns for things that we think will help us get through. We think, well, maybe, uh, maybe taking that tablet will help me. Maybe that relationship will help me, even though we know it's not good for us. Maybe just having this, this to drink will help me. Maybe just this improper boundaries with people will help me. And we'll give all sorts of reasons to say, this is the stuff that will help me because it makes me feel good just for an instant, a moment, but actually it doesn't solve the issue and solve the problem. It actually just adds another layer on top to what God is trying to do in our life. We do stuff that we think will make us feel better, and it does, often temporarily and momentarily. But as I say, in reality, it just adds another layer to what we're dealing with already. You see, this is the key to move on to the sound mind, that we don't need to accept what God has not given us, which is a spirit of fear, and accept what he has given us, which is a sound mind. You see, the original meaning of sound mind in the Greek is this. It, it, it means a total frame. It means a frame of thinking, a total picture. It, it, and, and you know today, when we come to take photos today, you know, and it's very different from when my generation uh, was younger. You know, when you come to take photos today, you know, people get their phones out and they've got all these photoshops and filters. And when I went on my phone yesterday, it actually has in my photos it's something called a beauty button. Now, I don't know whether that's just because it's my phone or whether you get that on everybody's phone, but it actually has a beauty button. And honestly, I pressed it at least 400 times, but it didn't make any difference <laughs> at all. 
But what happens when it comes to it is, is what we want to do, when we give a picture of what we are like to the world, we'll Photoshop and filter it and do all of that because we want the world to say, this is the perception of who we really are, but it's not the reality of who we are. Yet sound mind means actually the total picture of this is who we are in the full picture both on the inside and on the outside because today we're consumed with the outside we're consumed with making sure that we look right and that's what's causing a lot of issues within people but the sound mind is a full picture it's actually dealing with all of the stuff he's saying to Timothy actually Timothy he says what's happening here is you're not looking at this in the correct way you're looking at this through your fears where you've got to look at this through the sound mind the saved mind that God has given you it's the perception and the reality thing you see what we have to understand here is there is a difference between uh, mental health and mental illness so we can't just turn around and actually say that, you know, that every situation and every circumstance that everybody is going through is just the result of poor mental health. No, it's not. It's that there, that there is a mental illness that people will suffer with and have to deal with and stuff. What we're dealing with is mental health, is we're dealing with those things that actually God can make a difference with in the day-to-day -day lives of who we are. And that's why we look to our thoughts and our feelings and now our fears you see what happens when we gain a sound mind and this is why Paul is saying this is it actually involves good judgment and disciplined thought patterns the ability to understand and make right decisions it is a calm self-controlled mind in contrast to the panic and confusion that can come with a fearful situation you know if you get scared of something you immediately just want to do the instant most impulsive thing that gets you out of the situation that makes you scared he says that's what you want to do and you think to yourself i'll tell you where my fear of flying came from in 2000 the year 2000 i flew back from new york to paris uh, when we were with the go kids now i had watched a lot of disaster movies when i was a kid which probably wasn't a good idea but what they did is they put me in the seat by the exit door and it was a big exit door and of course when you sit there by the exit door you look at all the handles on it and think what happens if i fall asleep and my elbow knocks against the knocks you do think like that and so i thought to myself i was concerned so concerned even trying to get athena to swap seats for me but no it wasn't going to happen and i had that fear and it was a totally irrational fear and often that's what people have when they're dealing with the fears that they have most of them are just not are irrational and not based upon any reason and and because as i moved on and i said this at the beginning what we try and do is we try and deal with the what if instead of the what is so we have to do a first step and our first step is simply this we have to make god the direction of our strongest thoughts everything else revolves around the unchanging truth of who god is what god has done and what god has said in daniel 3 shadrach meshach and abednego they simply stand ready to get thrown in the furnace and they make this incredible statement uh, and it's really something we hold on to they say that basically simply this they have what's called but even if god doesn't moment they simply say my god is well able to deliver me and rescue me but they say but even if he doesn't 
And so what they're doing is they're taking the what if away from uh, and they're putting the what is. And the what is is simply this, is uh, they knew regardless of what happened, God was in control, he was sovereign, he hadn't surrendered his authority. The, our interests are his interests in the sense that he's looking out for us and caring for us and compassionate towards us because he loves us. And often when we face our fears, what we've got to do is get rid of some of the what ifs and actually stand on some of the what is, what is. Instead of being gripped by fear, instead of thinking this is out of control, these circumstances, these situations, we come to this point where we say, it's not a what if, it's a what is. So why Paul writes in Romans 8 verse 28 when he says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You see, the truth of it is this. A sound mind applies the truth of God's word and that determines whether we are overcome by fear or we overcome fear. That's the reality of it. It says, there is now I can stand up here and give you five principles to do something or four points of doing something. But what I need to do is this, when we're dealing with the battlefield of the mind, if we're replacing the lies with the truth of God's word when it comes to our thoughts, if on the second week we're saying that our feelings are not always the best thing to be guided upon, well, in this week, what we've got to do is say, well, we can either abide in the word and be overcome by fear, or we can overcome fear. And so therefore what we do is we look at it and say, this is what the word of God says. And almost like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, when they say, listen, even if God doesn't, he's still God. Even if I don't get the answer that I wanted, he's still God. We cannot promote this happy Christianity that often people are looking for with saying, actually, the purpose of me being a Christian is just simply for God to make me happy. Actually, it's not is to give us that direction and purpose in life. It's to give us at those times when we don't understand what's happening and we're fearful of everything that's going on. We're not overcome by fear. We overcome fear because of the truth of the word of God. And that's how we hold on to it. That's how we apply it to our lives in the battlefield of the mind. If you want God to speak to you and you never open your Bible, he won't speak to you. It's simply opening the Bible up and saying, this is what God has to say to me today. It's a power and a truth in his word that we apply to our lives and we can overcome fear. Paul doesn't say to Timothy, just for the goodness of his health, for God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. He said it because it's God's truth that Timothy needed to apply to his life. That he can be bold and he can be confident in his faith. Because it doesn't matter what if happens, it's the what is that happens because in the what is happens, God is always in control. He's always looking for us to demonstrate our faith. He's always looking for us to say, God, I am frightened and I am scared. I don't know what's going to happen. God, I'm putting that to the side and not allowing that battle to be fought in my mind, but I'm trusting you, God. And I'm overcoming that fear because my trust is in you. You see, where fear has the ability to manipulate 
our perspective on the situation. Truth has the ability to correct our perspective on the situation. Fear will tell us everything that's wrong. Fear will tell us all the things that we shouldn't do. Fear will tell us almost, you can't trust God. He'll let you down. He'll give up on you. If he really loved you, some of this stuff wouldn't be happening. It's nonsense. He says, this stuff is happening and whatever it is that we are going through that's tough and it's challenging and it's questioning our faith and we're asking God questions. He says, it's causing us to grow. It's causing God to do something in our life that when we're fearful, we're being directed towards him. So therefore, in our situation this morning, when we're in church, uh, and this is a classic example, we're in church, even though we've got to wear masks and sit at a distance apart, from each other when I finish preaching in a second and begin to pray for the church and the team begin to lead us in worship we will not only be able to lift our hands in worship we'll be able to lift our hearts in worship why because God is in control he has not surrendered that control for anybody's life in this place at all and you can overcome your fears because of that whatever it is is gripped you by fear today he is the overcomer of that fear. Let's not allow our perspective to be manipulated. Let's allow our perspective to be corrected by the truth of God's word. It brings us on really as we move on to next week's because we're going to look at Romans 12 uh, verse 2. And, and it simply says this, that, that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. There are so many verses on the mind in scripture and it gives us an idea of where God wants to do his work and help us and change us. But he is this morning just sent to us as he says to Timothy through Paul in that verse, he said, I have not given you this spirit of fear. I have given you this spirit of the perfect love of God, the perfect power of God that gives you a sound mind, a saved mind, that gives you the correct perspective on your situations and circumstances based on the truth of my word. Let us pray. Amen. Father God, we come before you this morning. And Father, as we look at the battlefield of our mind, we understand the challenges, Father God, and the difficulties that come uh, our way, Lord. But Father, we believe this this morning, and we pray this out over the people that are gathered here this morning, because each and every one of us will have circumstances in our life that are beyond our control. And Father, we will be fearful of what may happen in the future. We may be fearful of what's happening now. We, we may be waiting for the results of things. We, there may be unpredictable things happening. God, but God, we bring all of that to you and say, God, even though we're unsure, even though we're uncertain, even though we're worried, even though we're anxious, Father God, we choose today. We choose today. Not to take what you haven't given us, which is a spirit of fear, but to take what you have given us, which is a spirit of power, a spirit of your love, and a sound mind. And we hold on to that today, Father God. The Father, the not the what if, but the what is, because your truth is based on the what is. And we thank you for that today, in Jesus' wonderful name.